Welcome to the Love Good Podcast brought to you by our patrons. This is Jimmy Mitchell, your host. Join me each week as I sit down with artists and thought leaders to chat about music, culture, and what we call the art of being human. You see, Love Good's more than a subscription company, all right? We're a movement of everyday folks like you and me who are letting beauty break through the noise so it can transform our culture from the inside out. Thanks for joining me this week. I'm so pumped you're here. You're listening to season four, episode 11. Welcome back, everybody. In just a few moments, I'm going to tell you all about this episode that's about to unfold with our regular contributor, Dr. Ryan Hanning. In fact, he is a book releasing today, this very week, October 6th, The Willpower Advantage, available from Ignatius Press. I'll get into that in just a moment, but I want to revel for just a a few seconds and how incredible last Thursday night was. For those of you who tuned in, Kevin Hyder was in the Love Good studio. We hosted a live stream concert with him. It was amazing. It was absolutely beautiful, intimate. And I'm kind of floored, right? Because Kevin is one of these guys who he's been making music for well over 10 years now. His live sound is perfect. It requires zero mixing, zero production. It is always perfect. And so when you do an acoustic performance with this guy, it, you just feel like you were sitting front row in this incredible coffee shop type experience, but it's flawless. It's absolutely flawless. And so if you did not yet experience that or the meet and greet afterwards, Go to lovegoodlive.com. It's not too late. And in fact, you can even just go to our YouTube channel for a few more days. You can experience that entire live stream concert with Kevin Hyder before it disappears and becomes exclusively available to our patrons. So just want to say a massive thanks to all of you and to Kevin for not only being on the podcast the last two weeks, but for helping us host a beautiful live stream concert. Again, lovegoodlive.com. So right now I have the privilege the opportunity, the excitement, the fervor deep in my soul to introduce our regular contributor, Dr. Ryan Hanning, who, though he is brilliant, though he has a thousand brilliant thoughts about everything, is only this week for the first time releasing a book. And so today we dive into it. It's called The Willpower Advantage. Again, it's put out by Ignatius Press, subtitle Building Habits for lasting happiness, right? What does it look like for our temperament and our virtues to come together and really form our character? That's what this book really dives into in a very deep and meaningful way. It's co-authored by Tom Peterson. Some of you might remember an episode we did with Ryan Hanning last season. And in the midst of that episode, as we talked about temperaments, and Ryan said some things that blew my mind, I hardly remembered really at the time that he was working on this book. It's now out. And today's conversation is again, a deep dive into the willpower advantage. I can't wait to uh, sit down with him. Dr. Ryan Hanning, always brilliant. And this is an opportunity for all of us to grow in self-awareness, to grow in self-discovery, to know that if we're going to cultivate the art of being human, we must first know ourselves, right? That's one of the the first steps of true wisdom, to to know thyself. So in just a moment, I'll be sitting down, as I always do, with regular contributor, Dr. Ryan Hanning. But before then, enjoy this little excerpt of Little Dreams. This is the title track from Marie Miller's brand new album, also called Little Dreams. Check it out. You, you didn't understand when you 
Dr. Ryan Hanning, welcome back to the Love Good Podcast, man. I am excited. I'm excited for so many reasons. One, because a new book coming out. Yes. It's been a labor of love. The people, willpower advantage, building habits for lasting happiness. Willpower advantage. Yeah, we know, so much to talk about. So much to talk about. <laughs> I wrote the book with Tom Peterson. I, I should I should be really clear. This was Tom's idea. Tom Peterson is a, is a dear friend, a mentor in the faith. He's not much older than me, but he's, like, he's definitely like a father to me in some ways because We've traveled together and he is totally different in terms of temperament than me. Huh. So we're like this great, great match. You know, he's choleric, melancholic. I'm sanguine, phlegmatic. We worked together. We did uh, three weeks or two weeks together in Poland teaching you know, last year. And it's, it's just amazing. So he had this idea and his idea was really basic. He's like, look, I go to confession and the priest says, go and sin no more. I read the Bible and I hear, you'll be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And I've heard this my whole life but that doesn't stop me from cussing in traffic in Atlanta. Like, why is that the case? So he's like, we need to write a book that's just a real practical, modern day, blue collar, brass tacks, you know, how do we grow in virtue and what does it look like? And we, we, gotta, we gotta lay it out. And so you know, he had been thinking about it and I had been actually writing on the subject and I've been you know, uh, speaking a lot with the Havar Leadership Institute and helping businessmen and women think about virtue. And so we came together and it's crazy because the, the end product is way better than what we would have produced individually. Like, it is just awesome. We're really excited. It, it is it is high theology, blue collarized for like Joe Sixpack. You know? And that's the magic of the two of you coming together. The one thing I must say is we're only a few weeks away from a presidential election. And I'm just so excited that we're not talking politics right Yeah, let's now. not do it. Let's... We're going to be the one podcast, the one source of media for people right now that is just talking about something different maybe in some ways, ah, refreshingly more important. I mean, politics are important. We talked about it a month ago. So important to engage, so important to, you know, as you said, have grace and courage in our mm -hmm. dialogue towards the truth, right? And to have the grace and courage to even do that amongst family and friends. But today it's a little bit, at least for now, initially going to be a bit more introspective. Yeah. And then I'm sure there'll be some application to friendship and family and to community because understanding ourselves and how to break free of vicious cycles. I mean, that literally, you know, vice coming out of our own kind of understanding of self and temperament and personality. And also the world that we're living in, there is so much opportunity for virtue so much opportunity for vice. I love this. Building habits for lasting happiness. I mean, perhaps we could just begin where we left off about a year ago, not even quite. I think this episode released in February. Mm -hmm. We talked about the temperaments. I think that episode was titled Geeking Out on the Temperaments. Yes, I, I had so. no idea at the time you were working on a book. Maybe you were just beginning to talk about it more. But obviously, this is something you've taken a deep dive into. I've 
always been slightly obsessed with understanding people. Like from the time I was in eighth grade, I began reading self-help books. Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Mm -hmm. Influence People. Richard Carlson, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff and It's All Small Stuff. I didn't know spiritual reading was a thing. Uh, I didn't know temperaments and personalities were a Mm -hmm. thing until I was in college. And then suddenly I was like, oh, this can help me love people. This Mm -hmm. can help me grow in my own sort of character and ultimately like holiness. And, And yet it's not something everybody's exposed to not something that everybody is is able to even access because maybe it is a bit too up here in terms of psychology or mm-hmm. theology and not enough of this blue collarization going on so tell us a little bit more of like what this process was like and what you have uncovered along the way yeah it's, it's, so i would just say this did you know to have a heart for people really starts with having a heart for yourself right that you that you actually like who am i like why am i here like god why did you put me in this place and time? Like, why did why here and now? What are you calling me to do? And and the truth is that that people who are mature and have sort of self possession, you know, the people that we that we call saints, the people that we want to emulate, are first and foremost people who know who they are, and, and and they know where they're strong and where they're weak. They know where they have natural talents where they need to develop them. And and this truth of of if we want to be in right relationship with God, with each other, and, and with the earth, we got to be in right relationship and honest with ourselves. And I think more than anything else, we live in an age that distracts people from becoming who they really are. Yeah. It either, it either sells them something they're not. I mean, think of just in terms of how much people identify themselves with, with either their, their sexuality or their politics. And, and both of those categories are insufficient to articulate the totality of who a human being is. And, and so I think you know, this, this journey of self-discovery has two things have happened. One, it's either been over-specialized in other words, where you know people think that that journey of self discovery is is something that that you know, sort of happens only within the context of a professional, right? Or they think that self discovery is just sort of about you know sort of very you know sort of personal and nuanced tastes, right? What will make me feel best? <laughs> well, that's not really sufficient either. You know, we're talking about the deepest longings of the human heart. And some people would even go so far as to say it's just well, it's selfish. Come on, yeah, you yeah, know? and that's the other fear too. Is that right. especially. I think very many good-hearted Christians think that you're know, getting to know yourself is is a little prideful, and that's not true at all. Actually, in fact, the definition of humility is to live in the truth of who you are. Mm. So we started walking through this, and what we discovered essentially, by and large, was that for the last 500 years in Christendom, really in divided Christendom, we have forgotten who we are by and large, but this is a problem even going back to the fall, but we have really forgotten what it means to be a Christian, what it means to participate with God's desire for us to become who we are. And, and this participation is really unique, right? This this, part, this participation is is based off of, you know, the God's grace builds off nature, mm-hmm. right? It's not all God or all us, it's, it's both and, right? God is inviting us into relationship with himself. And so we really started to reflect more deeply on on how this impacts how we teach and articulate and how we personally grow in the virtues. So in some ways we, we wrote the book for ourselves. Mm. I mean, we really did. I mean, it was, it was great and sort of, you know, working back and forth with each other to, to really examine our own selves. Like what, what am I missing? What do I need? Why, why do I still struggle in this way? You know, what, what is a matter of my temperament, you know, my natural biology and what's a matter of just, you know, a lack of formation or a, a lack of will. So, you know, essentially what we came up with was a book that walks you through and and restates the battle. And the battle is for either remembering who you are or forgetting who you are. Mm-hmm. And we talk about you know, the forgotten truths that, that you know God wants us to be happy, right? 
one of the major truths that we've forgotten, God wants us to be happy, <laughs> right? And not just relatively happy in this life, but eternally happy with him in the next life. Yeah. God is a loving father. He wants what's best for us. The, the Christian life takes work. You know, it, it, it's, I think, I think a lot of times we're lazy today. We don't want to actually enter in. And even those people who enter in very often want to enter in on their own terms. I'm talking about a real openness, a real docility, mm. uh, a real willingness to, to enter in and say, Lord, what do you have for me today? And, and bring you know, all your, your, your uniqueness that makes you who you are into that equation. And, and we walk through and say, you know, grace builds off nature. There's, there, you are good. God made us good. God does not make junk, right? God made us good, but we're not yet perfect and we can't save ourselves. And this idea that we need each other, right? Is it safe to say that this is probably one of the most theologically rooted books on temperament, personality out there, virtue, character formation? Yeah, it's definitely definitely rooted in theology as opposed to, there's some really great books that are are rooted more in psychology. I mean, there's some really great books on temperament, specifically for Catholics. Like the temperament guy gave you. Great book. Never read it. I own it. I've never read it. You got to read it. I mean, it's it's required reading. We recommend in our book and we refer to the Bennett's work. They do a great job. But is that more psychological for example? Definitely more psychological and it has some great practical advice. What we try to do is we try to really, in some ways, take the work that Bennett has done, the, the, the work that Havard has done in terms of looking at the cardinal virtues and, and temperament, and then take the work of St. Francis de Sales and other classical works, it's Thomas so Akempis, cool. and, and, cool. and integrate it together. So what you end up with is a reframing of the battle, an introduction to engage, and then a spiritual audit, a quick assessment of your temperament and assessment of your your virtues. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we worked with some really good psychologists on this and and pastors and others who really know this area. And what we discovered essentially was there are natural strengths and weaknesses that are connected to your temperament, right? I think we all know that. Mm-hmm. That aren't either virtue or vice because they're just natural, mm-hmm. they're just biological, they're about our response to things. But then there are also common vices and common virtues, right? Certain things that 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 are good that come easier to us, certain mm-hmm. habits that we can form more easily because they're more part of our biology. And then there are those things, the vices that come unfortunately more easy to us as well. So. In the book, then we actually walk through, here's your, here's your temperament combo based off of the input that you gave. And then for every temperament combo, we walk through 13 virtues. Mm. So you essentially end up what we call you know, the roadmap to, to holiness to sort of say, hey, how can I participate in a really meaningful way, given who I am, given all my experiences, given what I wanna be and what I know God's calling me to, how can I actually participate? And it's not Pelagianism, it's, it's not, it's not that's all us or that we earn it. No, it's totally infused by God's grace. But, but God's grace does not want to overcome us. God's mm-hmm. grace wants to lift us up and fulfill mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. And, and it's very different, right? We're, we're, you know, we're not a snow-covered dung. Now, are we sinners? Are we broken? Are we imperfect? Are we incapable of saving ourselves? Yes. But ultimately, we're good, but we have forgotten who we are. And so the book wants to remind you and then give you some practical ways. But what I want to do, if, 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 if you're interested, I mean, you can say Very no. Very interesting. We can go a different way. As long as you give me like an assessment along the way. Yeah, we can, right? we can do it. We'll, in, in front of everybody. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll, and you'll see if, if Who if needs to take a test right. when you got the, the author right here to, right. to assess you? you know? <laughs> well, and really the assessment is, is really personal. It's designed, yeah. you know, in fact, the first question is, is how aware are you of your strengths and weaknesses? Mm, that's huge because I think a lot of us don't really know where to start, you know? And some of, some of that's like a feigned humility, right? <clears throat> yep. But some of it's just, oh, we haven't taken the time. That's been a really remarkable thing, especially about that initial quarantine we all went through last spring, is it gave us time to think, yes. to pray, to even just make friends with silence again, and to come to a deeper self-awareness. 
Or frankly, I think a lot of people, myself included at times, was very <clears throat> tempted to just fill the void with more noise and more despair, to be honest. Most of us kind of hate silence or perhaps we even hate introspection because we kind of hate ourselves. Yeah, you know? <clears throat> we're uncomfortable with ourselves, That's right? That's right. And so part of the book is to, to introduce you, reintroduce you to the beauty of how God has made you. Yeah, it's so cool. That's ennobling. And it's ennobling, it is. And, and even with all our quirks and, and differences, and we, we really carefully, and, and Alex Havard, so I, I would say that in some ways, you know, our book is, is meant to provide a really deep theological and practical reflection. I love it. And it builds upon the work of, of others that we reference and we speak about in the book. But you know, one of the things that's really important is that we're not voluntaristic. We, we don't think that it's all will, right? We don't think as if, if somehow, if I, just, if I just have enough power and strength, I can overcome this. No, no, it's about aligning our will with God's will for us. Yeah, and that's what you mean by the will power. That's what I mean, the will, a proper, we're reclaiming the word. I love it because when I, I see the title, I think, oh, that sounds like Nietzsche, you know? We are, we are re-sanctifying. I love it. You're pulling me in. The, the will, you properly understood, right? And I always talk about the teeter-totter. And I talked about this in our, in our podcast on temperaments, you know, this idea that, that, that we have this huge appetite. You know, C.S. Lewis writes beautifully about this in Mere Christianity. He says, we have an appetite for, for food and sexuality that is, is a magnitude 10 to 100 times bigger than we could ever fulfill. Mm. And it's part of our natural drive. It's not a bad thing. It's just the way we're wired. Now, that's not an excuse for license or for indulgence, but our appetite's huge. And our intellect is usually a little bit of a smaller force. So if you think of a teeter-totter, the appetite is the fat kid on the teeter-totter, right? <laughs> and, and you have your, you know, your, your intellect over here, but your intellect on its own is not enough to direct your appetite. Yeah. You need your will. And the will is sort of like what rolls back and forth between the two. And at the expense of always quoting Plato, you know, Plato says, if you ally your will with your appetite, your intellect is diminished and you become a monster. Yeah, you, become, wow. you become vicious. And think for a moment, the word vicious, right? To be vice-filled, we use that word to describe animals. Right. Vicious means to be non-human. Mm. Vicious is, is, is a disdain, distortion of the will. Mm. But the will allied with the intellect doesn't suppress the appetite. It actually liberates the appetite mm -hmm. to strive after what's good, beautiful, and true. And so in the book, what we're trying to do is we're trying to reclaim this idea, a, a Christian idea of will, and really liberate us to say, we can participate. God wants our will to be good. So we talk about the strong-willed and the weak-willed. The goal is not to be strong-willed. Mm. The goal is to be good-willed. Yeah, oh, that's so good. Not strong-willed, not weak-willed. But good-willed, good right? That's it. And, and we, have, we have the standard of what that means. We have it in Christ. We have it in every human that we've seen that we've said, yes, we want to live like that. I love it. That's, that's, that's the man or woman fully alive. So I love it. In the book, one of the most sort of salient points of the book, and, and probably the thing I think most people latch onto, is something that Tom and I both resisted. And it was... We came up with the temperament combos and we didn't want to assign a color, right? We just hated that. And this is the four traditionals? Uh, four traditional yeah. temperaments. And we, we combine them together and say, okay, you know, you are either, right? Choleric, sanguine, or choler and melancholic. Mm -hmm. You can't be both choleric and phlegmatic. That's an impossibility. Right. Right. Just by by natural disposition, because one is quick and one is slow. You can't you know, be both quick and slow. Father Ryan Adorshan says you cannot be, what does he always say? Sanguine melancholic. Yeah. And then he says, but look at me, baby. Yeah, that's right. Because that's what he is. <laughs> exactly. because, because, you know, you're not just your temperament. Yeah. Right. Voluntarists would say it's all will, but determinists would say it's all temperament. You're all your biology. Right. And no, we, are, we have free wills. Mm -hmm. So the idea of free will, and think of the, the word freedom, you know, the idea of a free will means for the will to become what it is, not free to do whatever the heck it wants. Right. Authentic freedom is about 
is about you know the word libre or libres is is about actually fulfilling what the thing is. Mm. And so when we talk about the free will, it's it's meant to be the will that directs us towards what we're made for. Mm. And so you know, we're not just our temperament and, and we're not just our will, but our free will and our temperament, what we say is, you know, our 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 character and our temperament is what we build our personality upon. Yeah, I love right? that. And so we go through like the the choleric sanguine, we go through the choleric melancholic, we go through the sanguine phlegmatic and the How sanguine. How many are there of those? So there's eight total. Yeah. So there's four temperaments, but there's eight combos. And so for each combo, we go through the typical strengths and weaknesses that are natural, that are that are the native disposition, that are biological based off the temperament. Yeah. And then we also look at the vices and the virtues common to that. And for each one then we actually, we do give it a name, sorry, but we like the names we gave. So let me just go through them real quick and then we, can, we can talk about you and talk about me just to get personal for a minute. So the choleric sanguine is the pace setter, right? Cholerics are about action, right? They're action oriented, but, but sanguine are people oriented. So the choleric sanguine naturally wants to lead, but they're constantly looking back to make sure people are following. Mm. Right? They're the pace setter. They're gonna be out there front, but they want to be in relationship with people that are gonna follow them, right? They wanna be in an authentic relationship because they're also motivated, motivated by people. Then there's a the choleric melancholic, and this is the problem solver. They're motivated by action, but also by ideas, right? They, 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 they want an outcome, but they're thoughtful in how they approach it. And that's again, the who? So this is the choleric melancholic. We, we call yep. them the problem solver. Nice. Right? And you probably know people like this. And again, the goal of this is not to be able to triage your friends and coworkers. The goal of this <laughs> is about self-awareness you know, and, and self-knowledge. The sanguine choleric, we call the life of the party, right? Yeah, yeah. So, or the choleric sanguine, if you're a dominant choleric, you're, you're motivated by action and you're secondarily motivated by people, you're, 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 you're that pace setter. You're, you're moving towards action, bringing people along with you. Mm -hmm. But if you're the sanguine choleric, if you're people first and then action, we call you the life of the party, right? I know a lot of, I, I resonate with a lot of sanguine cholerics. I'm not sanguine choleric, I'm sanguine phlegmatic, but I resonate with that because I understand that. Let's get action done. In fact, sanguine phlegmatics depend on people that are more sanguine choleric to initiate action, yeah, right? Because yeah. phlegmatics are more staid and- Sanguine phlegmatics you know, <clears throat> are usually my favorite. So yeah, well, this is why we it get along so good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so then there's you know the sanguine phlegmatic, which is described, and we call that the diplomat. Nice. Right? They want to be in relationship, and, and it's actually funny. These titles, I gotta admit, come from a bunch of reading of short stories that we did in preparation That's for this. That's so cool. And then just in reflection on ourselves of what we've been told by our spiritual directors. Wow. And so one of my spiritual directors in Arizona, that's what he called me. He's like, you, you're you're the diplomat. Like that's one of like, if there was a, a he's like, you would joke, like if there's a, a personality indicator type that that described you, that would be you. I'm like, yeah, I sort of get that, you know? Mm. I'm, I'm motivated by people. I hate conflict, but because I'm a phlegmatic, I have sort of this engineering mind about trying to arrive at some Compromise. This is why I'm all open to dialogue and debate. Doesn't conflict makes me uncomfortable, but coming to a resolution I love. Mm. So you know, one of the things about the temperaments is once you know them, then you know the virtue you need. Yeah. So as a sanguine phlegmatic, I know I hate conflict, so I need the virtue of fortitude. I need the virtue of perseverance. Mm -hmm. All right. Then there's the phlegmatic sanguine. Flip that upside down. That's the peacekeeper. Right. Mm. Phlegmatics are motivated by peace. Sanguines are motivated by people and relationships. Yeah. And then you have the phlegmatic melancholic. That's the planner. Right. Again, melancholic, motivated by ideas, choleric, motivated by action, sanguine, motivated by people, and phlegmatic, motivated by peace and harmony. So the phlegmatic melancholic is the planner. This is, this is the person who loves order, but is also able to think deeply about the ideas. Mm -hmm. And they're happy mm -hmm. to be on the sidelines. 
They're, they're happy. They're not like the choleric sanguine. They, they don't want to be front and center in the group, right? They're, they're happy in the back, thinking about and, and planning accordingly the necessary steps to initiate action. <laughs> then you have the melancholic phlegmatic. You flip that, that's the scholar. It's funny too, because if, if you look at my reading list, if you go and see my library and you've, you've been in my house to me, this is my entire reading list. They're all... It's all melancholic phlegmatics. It's all Dostoevsky. And, you know, it's either it's either melancholic phlegmatics or melancholic cholerics. Yeah. Like, that, my entire reading list. Because that that desire for the time to think about the ideas and then to organize them appropriately, or the ideas to, to think about the ideas and then act upon them is so attractive to me. That's cool. And the very last would be the melancholic choleric, right? So, somebody with big ideas, but also motivated by actions. And then we call this uh, the goal setter, mm. Right. And it's interesting because if you actually look, you know, very often different professions or even different nationalities follow some of these. There are, there are cultural, there, there, are, there are cultures that tend to follow some of these sort of temperament combos. But what the important thing is sort of know wh where you are and that this sort of title wouldn't define you. That's not the point. The, the point is that this title will give you a little bit of insight into how God has made you and how you're called to respond to that gift that he has given you. Mm. And so for me, as, as, as a very high sanguine, and you know, it's like, if there's a percentage and we do this in the spiritual audit, we sort of tell you how probably sanguine you are versus your secondary. But you know, for me then, I'm, I'm so people oriented, but I'm also very deeply phlegmatic. And it's funny, cause I'm also Italian Austrian. Like my grandparents <laughs> from Italy, my other grandparents from Austria. So I, I have this sort of written into my DNA. But for me then, you know, what I have to constantly bear in mind, what I have to constantly remember is that naturally loyalty, good stewardship, relationship, that's written into my biology. Mm. Those come naturally. Those are those are those are powers or gifts of my temperament that I ought to be able to use for good. Mm -hmm. But so too, there's some weaknesses, and the weaknesses I I, I hate conflict. I lack self control. I, I gravitate to whatever's newest and, and most fun. I'm, I'm I'm motivated by my senses. So I love beauty. I love aesthetics, right? But I don't take the time necessary to really you know enter into them. Mm. So. For me, while my strength might be loyalty and good stewardship and, and, and naturally sort of trustworthy because I want to be in right relationship, you know, I recognize that I lack perseverance. You know, it's just, just part of my biology. Mm. You know, I, I tend towards cowardice because I don't want conflict. You know, a sanguine, you know, so funny, a high sanguine will, will run with everyone in the battle but the moment like the first sword clashes are immediately like, uh-oh, <laughs> right? Because they're so attuned to their senses. They don't want to have pain, right? Yeah. So, but they want to be with everyone, yeah. right? <laughs> so this leads into our strengths and weaknesses are neutral in the sense they are not, they are not virtuous or vicious, right? They're simply a matter of biology. We are mm -hmm. not responsible. We are accountable to how we use them. Mm -hmm. And so then we dive into what are the virtues and vices? Mm -hmm. So typically, the sanguine phlegmatic, they're gonna they're gonna struggle with lust. They're gonna struggle with with rashness, right? They're gonna they want things quicker than they can they can come. They're gonna be motivated by their senses. And you know, and you know, lust we we typically use and we think of sort of in sexual terms. And, and C.S. Lewis is a beautiful definition of lust and gives my favorite story ever of lust in, in the Great Divorce when he talks about the lizard that's yeah. crushed and distorted and liberated to become this black stallion. But lust can be in any of the senses. Right, this just desire for the immediacy of the senses. Mm -hmm. and, and so that's a, a real vice. And then also, believe it or not, sanguine phlegmatics, we have intellectual pride. We always think we're right, <laughs> which is a really a, a disastrous thing, especially when we're wrong. Because when, when sanguines who are motivated by people are wrong, it, it, it severs relationships. Yeah. So what do we need then? So knowing this about ourselves and knowing these tendencies, then, then what are the, you know, the virtues that we need to inculcate in our lives? So for me, 
for my temperament combo, you know, I need perseverance. In fact, most it's interesting in reflecting on the book and writing it, you know, I had to confront myself a lot. You know, and, and Tom was the same way and the other people we interviewed and, and worked with on the book. Perseverance for me is, is usually the root of most of my sins. Mm. Like, you know, a lot of my sinfulness or a lot of my brokenness or even all my stupidity are related to my unwillingness just to actually have the grit necessary to complete the project. Mm. Why? Because I'm a sanguine. I just want to, let's go, right? So true. You know, you know it, it's, it's funny. So Aristotle in his fourth chapter of Nicomachean Ethics talks about this two unnamed virtues says we don't have a name for it in, in the Greek language. But one of it, he calls a sort of quick-wittedness. Mm. And he describes the quick-witted person as this, this person of, of generous social heart. <laughs> and he says, they're funny. They tell jokes that aren't vulgar or rude, but are perfectly timed. Right? Like he just, <laughs> you know, he talks about this guy. And I feel like, hey, wait a minute. That, that's sort of me. Aren't, aren't I supposed to be like moving on to the next thing? But the truth is I lack perseverance very yeah. often. The other one would be, you know, self-control and, and humility. Mm. As, as somebody with a sanguine, phlegmatic temperament, that doesn't define who I am, but it gives me an insight into part of my biology and part of my environmental upbringing. That's really helpful for me to decode. So when, you know, St. John Vianney used to say that a good confessor has to be able to determine what the, the person confessing, what's a matter of just their temperament and what's true vice. Mm. And he, he says, if the slothful man comes to you and you recognize they're melancholic, they're likely not committing sloth, they're likely just being melancholic. So what you have to do for them is you have to assign them a penance that helps them grow in the virtue of audacity, mm. right? To counteract that natural temperament. Right. So, you know, the book dives into this and, and it's sort of what we like to think are really readable, are really fun. We tell tons of stories. Tom, I thought I had good stories and having traveled with Tom a bunch now, I mean, I can just tell you, there's never a moment Tom is not on in terms of evangelization. Mm. We spent an hour before our flight to Poznan in Atlanta and I kid you not, we probably talked to a hundred people, like wow. with no exaggeration. Wow. No exaggeration. And it's interesting because Tom, that's not his natural disposition. Mm. You know, he is choleric melancholic, but it's because he has developed virtue that people look at him and say, oh, you must be sanguine. He's like, no, actually I'm really uncomfortable, but I know that people need to hear the good news. And because I'm oriented to action, I wanna take the steps necessary to do that. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the, the hope with the book is, is that It'll just help people move the needle a little bit. I love it. And it sounds like you you go through it exhaustively for each of these eight combos. And I can't even imagine how cool it'd be to just, you know, in one very easy to read place know, yeah, those those are all my natural strengths and weaknesses. Those are all my inclinations when it comes to virtue and vice. And then to take the even deeper dive, which is to to do this with with family, with friends. Right to better understand the people you do life with and live in community with and work with. There's obviously a really popular book called Strength Finders, yeah. which has been huge even around here in understanding our apprentices and Marisol and I knowing how to best work with each other. And, you know, you want to create family life, home life, business culture. Certainly you can say this on a cultural level too. You want to create environments where people can flourish and yep. thrive easily, you know? And so much of that is knowing ourselves, knowing the people around us, mm-hmm. and then kind of doing the hard work of accompaniment. Yep. And you said that kind of in our whole conversation about political engagement and political discourse, we can't just assume that reading a book, for example, is going to solve all of our problems, yep. that winning a debate is going to be all we need. But that in fact, like this is a journey towards self-discovery yeah. and that's a joyful, but at times, you know, wrought with pain kind of journey that 
does involve a lot of purification. And, and we don't a lot do it alone. Denial. That's yeah, right. We don't do it alone. The truth is, is you know, is and we, we try to bring this out in the book too, is that we try to create the environment and the space where the Lord is accompanying us mm. into this, right? The, the Holy Spirit, you know, is is the Holy Spirit is is about the work of accompanying us to become the people we are. Yeah. And you know, I, I, a dear friend of mine who passed away a few years back was a, a retreat master in Rome for years, He's a huge Chicago Cubs fan. In fact, they won the pennant the year he died. So the wow. joke was that was his first miracle. Wow. Right? There's no doubt. <laughs> so huge Chicago Cubs fan, huge baseball fan, was a chaplain for them at one time. And Father Martin used to say that God hits you 3000 grounders a day, easy little chip shots. And you're lucky if you see 30 and even more lucky if you field three. I love it. This constant idea that God is accompanying us. God is walking with us. God is drawing our attention to these things to help us discover who we are as a loving father. He's walking with the sons and daughters. But very often we're so distracted by life, we don't see it. So the mm -hmm. hope is with this book is that it'll allow you to be accompanied really by the Holy Spirit and becoming who you are, who God's called you to be and understand yourself a little bit more along the way. It's amazing. Again, the book is called The Willpower Advantage, subtitle Building Habits for lasting happiness by Dr. Ryan Hanning and Tom Peterson. Yeah, amazing, and, and, and invert amazing. that order because Tom Tom is the inspiration behind the book. So <laughs> Tom Peterson and, and Ryan Hanning subtitle. Fair enough. Yeah. And we'll uh, include in the liner notes of this episode exactly how people can get their hands on it. Ryan, thanks for giving us a uh, little bit of a glimpse of what's coming or what might already be out depending on when this episode releases. I'm pumped. I can't wait to get my copy and I'll probably be buying, you know, a bulk order. Is that going to be an option at it'll, some point? It'll be an option at some this point. This is going to be one of those books that people are going to want to buy in Hope droves. So, so uh, thanks so much and uh, we'll see you soon. Awesome. My pleasure. Thank you. Peace. listening to Creative Potential, the title track from the brand new EP by Scott Mulvihill. Go stream it on Spotify, Apple Music, everywhere digital music is found. All right, what did I say? I mean, next level self-awareness and self-discovery is staring you in the face right now. All you got to do is click on the link in the episode notes to go buy your copy of The Willpower Advantage from our good friend and regular contributor, Dr. Ryan Hanning. We not only have a couple more episodes with Ryan before this season comes to a conclusion, we've got plenty more conversations to come like this because love good really is all about loving good and fleeing evil. I mean, that almost sounds super basic, but if we're serious, right, about changing the world, maybe most importantly, if we're serious about about living the Christian faith, at the very least, we've got to learn how to love what is good and flee what is evil. And the world that we live in right now, man, that is so needed. Like never before, there is evil all around us. It's not even disguised anymore. There's no even illusion, right, of evil being subtle. 
I think it is more on display than ever before. So part of that is recognizing our own struggles, even the evil within our own souls, and growing in virtue, right? Allowing, again, our temperament to be met by our virtues that we can be men and women of true character who can go out there and really transform the world from the inside out. All right, y'all, hope you are having an amazing start to this beautiful month of October. I must say down here in Tampa, Florida, I am missing what I know is going to be a beautiful fall up in Nashville where the leaves are turning red and orange and all kinds of other amazing colors here in the weeks ahead. I might make a trip back up there at least before Thanksgiving. Who knows? In the meantime, I'll just have to deal with, you know, 85 degrees and palm trees down here in Florida. It's a rough life, but I must say it's going really, really well down here. The the Love Good studio in Tampa is fully functional. And before long, we're going to have another live stream retreat down here. So you'll be hearing more about that soon. Nothing but love and nothing but prayers from Love Good to all of you. We'll see you next week. Massive thanks for tuning in to the Love Good Podcast. If you like this week's episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, share it on social media, leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and then join us on the front lines of building a better culture by subscribing as a patron at joinlovegood.com. Our patrons get all kinds of incredible exclusive content, such as a weekly long-form video of the podcast, a monthly live stream house concert with our artists, and a seasonal package that will raise your standard for music, books, and art forever. Thanks again for tuning in. It's an honor to accompany you as you change the world.